0: Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God, and we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue speaking of grace. Uh, that's really the theme for the past uh, 37 years for sure in my ministry here uh, it's not about andy great is god's faithfulness there's just a, been a little too much andy for me today um god gets all the glory that's for sure he is the one that has done it all um i uh, i want to commend uh Orlando, you got all those names of all those grandkids. That's pretty good. Yeah, but I do have a son-in-law, Jeff, back here. Those with Whitney. And Riley is the mother of our grandchildren with Zachary. as his wife, Riley, and uh, included them in. I'm amazed. I, I would never have gotten the names all right. <laughs> good job. And um, I just want to say, too, God, great is God's faithfulness in this place. But we have an amazing staff at this church. Um what you see happens doesn't just happen. Um, I have very little to do with it. Um, I, they ask my opinion occasionally. Do you, you know, like this song or that song or, you know, that kind of thing? But lots of work behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and just an amazing, amazing team on a regular basis from everything from the music to the ministry to the word to the counseling to the justice ministries. Uh, every aspect is being done by people with great skills in a great way and, and, Kudos to all the wonderful staff of Whole Life Seventh-day Avenue Church, yep. So, things to remember, things to remember. This series got its title because as I step away from my leadership role as your senior pastor here at this church, I started to ponder... Of all the things that we've done together and all the things that I've shared in in nearly 1,400 sermons, over 12,000 pages of manuscript, out of all that mess, what do I want you to remember? (laughs) You know, you can't remember all of that, but I want you to remember something, and I came up with four things, four things to remember. First, please, please, please remember to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes. And we we talked about uh, the first week of the series about how you can fix your eyes. You can memorize his word. You put his word in your brain. And that way, whenever you need guidance, when you want to say, what would Jesus do? You can have reference because you've put his words. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount, you just memorize those three chapters. That'll give you about everything you need uh, to know what Jesus would want you to do. And you can fix your eyes by doing that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The second way we talked about fixing your eyes on Jesus is seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus in every face of every person you meet. Jesus said he was the least of these. And so in every human you see, in every human's face, see that face as Jesus looking back at you. Two ways for you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Secondly, the second thing I hope you'll remember, please, 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 please remember to trust the gospel. Not, not just believe it, not just accept it and all those kinds, but trust the gospel and the reality of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 where it says that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. That's the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is no longer counting people's sins against them. That's really good news for me when I look at my life and I'm guessing it's really good news for you. And uh, let's just share that with everybody. I mean, if every week we just found one person we shared with, do you know what? God is no longer counting your sins against you. We changed the world. The third thing we, I want us to remember, third thing to please remember, to love each other and everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, And John wrote. Uh, so be be 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 6 through 8. Be that 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 person. Last week, we talked about the practices, 13 practices of conversation, and how to have a a better relationship with others, the 13 principles from the Peace and Justice Institute at Valencia College. Adopt these into your life as a way of love. They're they're still posted on our website with the takeaways from last week. Because love is about being ready to serve. That's what love is, being ready to serve another. Today, we look at our fourth, our fourth thing that I want you to remember. It comes from one of the theme songs in the Carousel of Progress in Tomorrowland at Magic Kingdom. High theology, folks. High (laughs) theology. Okay. Uh, There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow's is just a dream away. That's how I felt when I arrived here. I got here, that's how I feel today as I'm about to leave this place. There's a great Big, beautiful tomorrow. When we arrived here in July of 1984 to serve the Seventh-day Adventist Church at Florida Hospital, that was its name then. What a cumbersome, the Seventh-day Adventist Church at Florida Hospital. Uh, that was its name. And, um, and we were two young 28-year-old kids, Vicky and I were. Yeah, we were young. And we had a, a, a 19-month-old uh, a little girl and a little boy in utero. Uh, that would come later that year. This was a pretty formal church in those days. I mean, I've messed it up, but it was a pretty formal, it was a pretty formal church in those days. They had a, they had a split chancel of high pulpit, low pulpit. Communion table was in the center. Pews were the order of the day. I had friends. I had friends that mocked me. You're going to be the youth pastor at the, at the Old Sand Church? and you know, There aren't the youth of that church. I said, well, I said, yeah, there's a few of them. We actually have some youth in our church today, people in our church today who were youth when I got here, which was, that's, that's encouraging. I would tell friends that we would soon have two children, so I knew we were going to have at least two kids to minister to as a as a pastor here. The next year, when I became the senior pastor, I was also the youth pastor because we hadn't replaced the youth pastor and filled that position. So I'm, I'm now the new senior pastor. I'm also the youth pastor. And just about the time I was made senior pastor, our Pathfinder leaders quit. And it was the first year they'd ever had one of those big national camperies. It was gonna be Camp Hale, Colorado. Big camporee from, and I was determined to take our kids. I and mean, we Zachary was just a baby. Dr. Jack gave us drugs so we could take him. Uh, and so we went to the camporee. In those days, when I looked around the church, everywhere I looked, I saw things as old. Now, you remember, I was 28 years old, so if you're 50, you were ancient back then. So. But the building was old, the worship traditions were old, the people were old, the philosophy was old. But I believed, I believed that God could see what most couldn't. That for this congregation, there was to be a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Our journey from being having church services where Don Bradley, uh, Ken's dad, would count each week. And he told me if we had 200 people in the worship center, it was a big crowd. And that room would hold 700 people. So we rattled around. To where we came before the pandemic, our average attendance here was 775 each week. We're always looking for a new place to put somebody, you know, what room could we use and how can we arrange things from a church dominated by our wonderful senior citizens, which it was, we had a funeral a year for the first three years I was here. I was killing this church Um, (laughs) and and, uh, a funeral a year and, and, but our wonderful senior citizen members to where a church today, our senior population is our smallest demographic in this congregation from a church locked in tradition to, to who we are today, where we spend a lot of time continuously struggling to make sure and maintain that our only tradition is that we get not get locked in tradition. And, and from from a church with limited resources to care for a failing building, that old church was falling apart. You slam the door in the bathroom, plaster fell off the wall. Literally, I'm not making this up. And, uh, to now, where we have a, a newer facility you're sitting in today, we have been able to maintain well over its almost 28 years. Here, we moved in this, this coming May. There were a number of what I would call turning points or defining moments that happened on our, our journey on this tr- on this, uh, in this church. And I wanna just, um, I wanna share, recall three of these, um, m- how they marked our church, and uh, it's a changing point. Uh, and, and opened the windows to the God's reality that this congregation is ever before us a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, okay? And these are illustrations that that's true. Gary Jimenez uh, came to our church. He talked about the, the first first one of these defining moments that he experienced when he arrived on his first Sabbath. Gary was working as an OBGYN at the time, considered himself to be a woman's advocate. And that first Sabbath, he was, a little surprised when we had a baby dedication that day of a single mom and her baby. Now, normally at that time, this is a long time ago, uh, that that girl and her baby might not even be comfortable showing up at church, but here he sees us with her on the platform dedicating that sweet little baby. Our doing this was a turning point theologically as our teaching and our our orthodoxy was trying to come up and be able to stand with our orthopraxis, how we live out the grace and forgiveness of God and how we treat people at our church. Gary's told me that he was impressed, but he figured, man, that's just a one-off thing. You know, they just happened to have baby dedication that day. And uh, that was unusual. When he came back the next week, <laughs> and it just so happened that here again on the platform, I'm dedicating the baby of another single mother. And he realized something was different was going on here and he wanted to be part of it. That year, there were five, five babies from unwed mothers that were dedicated on our platform. And Whole Life Church back in that day adjusted its thinking of how we treat people who who may not behave as we might prefer them to. How will we choose to actively extend God's grace and love and people into a lifelong friendship with God? And for this young pastor, as we did those kinds of things in those days, that was like the first little rays breaking over the horizon that there was coming a great, big, beautiful tomorrow for our church. I grew up in church. Our family were the door openers and door lockers kind of people. You know, we were there first and we opened the door and we would oftentimes be the last people to leave and lock the door behind. If there was something going on at church, we were there. And And my memories of church have a lot of conversation and visiting and laughing and talking before service and after service. My mother was so much about that chatting part time afterwards that, that I remember one day, Maybe my dad was a little extra hungry, but I remember him walking across the lobby, mom's chatting away, and he just picks her up like a groom taking his bride across the threshold, walks out the doors of the church, uh, and she's still talking over her shoulder trying to finish the conversation that, that she was having with someone. At the old church, the parking lot was inadequate, even for our size congregation we had then. And following the benediction, there was like some kind of vacuum hose or something attached to the cars that came into the church. And as soon as the benediction was said, it's like this sucking sound. And people just were out the doors and into their cars and gone. And in 10 minutes, you could lock the place down and close it up because there was no way in the building. And uh, it was pretty much gone. I, I mentioned her last week, but I have to mention her again this week, Elsie Ficundus. She wanted our church to be a more welcoming, accepting, warm place to be. And she didn't She didn't push that off on anybody else. You need to do this or you need to do that. She took it on herself, her own campaign. She told me that she was going to make sure each week to find somebody that she had seen at church over and over and never really talked to and get acquainted with them. And then she was going to look for somebody she'd never seen before and, and talk with them. I said, Elsie, what a great idea. Can I I steal your idea? She said, sure, Andy. So there was was this huge concrete slab. For those of you who remember the old church, the lobby was about the size of that piano, maybe twice that size, I don't know, but it was really tiny. And then you were outdoors and there were some stairs and there was this huge concrete slab. I called it the tarmac. And and that's what people would zoom across after church to rush to their cars and, and go. And so I took Elsie's idea about this, Uh, meeting two people thing. And I went to the nominating committee that was meeting. I said, "Hey, nominating committee, will you give me permission to ask everybody in our church to hold an office? But I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a secret. And I want it to be a secret, period. And and I'm like, sure, Andy. They were very, very tolerant with me. Um, so, So Sharon and I, Sharon Werner and I, uh, began to send out one page of the directory, a letter each week. So just took one page of the directory, and we sent a letter. And the letter said, "Dear member, you know, you've been you've been invited by the nominating committee to serve as an undercover greeter. An undercover greeter. Your mission, should you choose to accept, this, sort of Mission Impossible language, uh, is to find this one person you've seen a lot, never talked to, talk to them, and find a person you know, you never seen before and talk to them." After just two pages of the directory had been sent out, two weeks. You could see people talking on the tarmac after church. After three weeks, you couldn't get from the front door to your car for all the people out there all talking to each other. And it was like, yes, yes, yes. This is a moment for the congregation evidence that encouraged us that there was before us a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. We've been raising funds because that old church was a mess, um, I mentioned a while ago, you slam the door, the plaster would fall off. It needed a lot of renovations. We designed a great plan to put a new big foyer out where that tarmac was and a new education wing and renovate our church. And we've been working with contractors and architects, and we had designed this thing. He said, you must keep this renovation to $600,000. Can't go over that. And then they came back to us and said, look, you know, it's looking like it's going to be close to $900,000. We're like, well, we can't do this. We don't know how we're going to pay for it. He said, um, I said, well, just keep it no more than $900,000. And I remember getting the architectural drawings, the blueprints. We put them out to bid. I remember July 7 that year when the bids came back at $1.8 You know, you can value engineer a little bit out of a building, but you can't take half the cost out. And we were just depressed. It didn't. It was not a very big, beautiful moment at that point. It wasn't long after that, though, that while we were trying to lick our wounds and wonder how to go forward in the future, that the idea was arising at Florida Hospital to have this Florida Hospital College of Health Sciences. And, and they needed a place to, to to do that. And and we needed to get off that peninsula. We were, we were locked in on a little landlocked. You had to go these little roads behind the hospital to get down there to the church, couldn't find the thing. We needed to be out more prominent. And we traded that peninsula property, which we never really owned, okay? Uh, <laughs> we traded that unowned piece of property for this block of property, which was worth about one and a half million at the time of trade. Good negotiations, uh, squatters' rights to ownership. It was, it was a good journey. We, have, we moved into John Knox before this, John Knox Presbyterian, which is now a College Park Presbyterian at the corner of Winter Park, I mean, a par, par and Formosa, because our air condition had gone out at the old church. And I, and I want to make sure we didn't go back to the old church, so I sold all the pews. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty well sure we weren't going back. Uh, and and we began to see plans arising for this facility, that this new facility was on, was coming, and and there was no doubt that there was going to be for this congregation a great big beautiful tomorrow, early next in their future. It was great. We moved in here. It was a it was a crazy time. And then there came things like downtown community, the eventual completion of our third floor, which was at that time just a concrete slab. There was the hiring of church consultants and the changing of worship service styles and times of services and the development of the, the children's academy and parties and church retreats and vacation Bible schools that packed this place out and, and, and kids and adults, great musical programs for both groups. And, and uh, there was waiting in the justice ministries and experience expanding staff from when it was just Sharon and I in the office to, Sharon and me in the office to a a circle of about 15 full and part-time staff that sit around together today. When we had no unrestricted money, we had a a time a few years ago where this congregation, we had no money in our bank that wasn't already restricted, spoken for. And we were borrowing money from reserve funds, all kinds of things, to today where we have over a million dollars in unrestricted funds. God has been good. At every moment of every day, of every year, there has been this constant reality that there's coming a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. One of my duties as, as your pastor has been to remind you that there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. You see, when there's a cloudless sky and there's no trouble going on, everything seems to be working well. When there seems little reason to, to doubt, tomorrow is not too important to prophesy that a great, big, beautiful tomorrow is coming. It's most important to remember when it's most hard to believe. It's most important to remember when it's most hard to believe. You know, like in the last half of a pandemic year, it's in those hard, long, dark nights of the soul that this aspect of the job of ministry is most important. When we aren't even sure about there being a tomorrow, that's when we must be reminded that regardless of how dark the night, there is always in God's ultimate plan a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. I'm certain that there is a glorious future, a glorious future. Sure, there may be some some bum days between here and there, but it is such an amazing, great, big, beautiful tomorrow that it will swallow up, folks, every hurt, every pain, every dark day, every depressing day of loss. It's that huge. It's that amazing of a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Paul recognized that. He said, no one's ever seen, no one's ever heard anything like this coming great, big, beautiful tomorrow. No one's ever so much as even imagined anything quite like the great, big, beautiful tomorrow that's headed our way. This is what God has arranged for those who love him. A great, big Beautiful tomorrow. One of the jokes over my um, my tenure here at Whole Life Church is that we haven't spent much time in the Book of Revelation. Yeah, I hear you snickering. Um, some of you actually have complained to me about this. Um, so it's fitting that we read some verses from Revelation on this my last Sabbath as your senior pastor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> finally, some of you are saying, finally, okay. Uh, because Revelation 21 predicts so well the great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will be with them. He'll dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every fear, tear from their eye. There'll be no more death, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. It's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Now, between now and, and that ultimate great, big, beautiful tomorrow, there will be some dark nights, some unbalanced days, some troubles of all kinds, and, and there will be many truly great, big, beautiful tomorrows along the way. We've had those here. We've experienced them together. God is good. Part of the reason this is my fourth thing to remember, though, is that it will keep us looking in the right direction. Paul said it so well, forgetting what is behind. And straining toward what is ahead, press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you can remember that there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, ultimately, and many of them sort of along the way, it can enable you to not get fixated on some past failure or past success. Either way, it's behind you. Folks, let's just recognize today, the past is behind us. My time as, as your leader, as your senior pastor, it's behind us. It's not in the future, it's behind us. And, and, and now we can press on to the future. Do not fear the future. Maybe one of the reasons I've never been drawn to eschatological last day events preaching is that they seem to often be used to motivate engagement with God out of fear. And I'm more of a lover. I like John's words. That perfect love casts out all fear. Our God knows all about tomorrow. And we live and move and have our being in him. And he knows and holds the future. And he is good. He's good. This last series is about four things to remember. I want you to remember. So here they are one more time. I'm getting repetitive in my old age, okay? But I really want you to please, please remember these. Remember to fix your eyes on Jesus. Memorize his words and then see in the face of every person you meet the face of Jesus as you fix your eyes on Jesus. Please, please remember to do that. Remember to trust the gospel. Trust the reality of the good news that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. That's good news. And then remember to love each other and everybody else, okay? Love the people most like you and love even those people who are very different from you and even love those people who wish you harm. That is to let God's love flow through you to them that they might be loved into a lifelong friendship with God. And remember, remember there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Next week, next month, next year, and then ultimately for all eternity. No need to fear the
1: future, because God holds it in His hands. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast.